I'm Brian Barnett. I'm just a regular guy. I'm not a doctor. I have no legal license in any field of psychology. But I did live a large part of my life with borderline personality disorder unknowingly. And I really did rid myself of the disorder completely and permanently. Through that, I've become an expert on issues involving emotional health. I accept no responsibility whatsoever for your feelings, thoughts, behaviors, decisions, and actions, including your decision to watch or listen to this show at all. But I do hope you might benefit yourself from the insights I share. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. Got a special program for you. This episode, it's a follow-up to last week's episode or the previous episode. In the previous episode, I interviewed my uh, cousin, Jay. And uh, in this episode, we're going to play the second part of that interview. Before we get started, though, let me make a few brief announcements. First of all, thelastsymptom.com is my website full of free and paid resources. I'd like you to check that out. We have an online community, The Last Symptom online community, over at thelastsymptom.locals.com. Another way you can join that is by downloading the locals.com app and searching for The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett. Why is that important? Well, because every Monday I do a live stream for exclusive to our community there. And uh, in that live stream, members of the last symptom community are able to interact with me ask questions discuss the things they would like to discuss in real time and uh, so that has been established now for going on several months and it's uh, a lot of people like it so if you that sounds like something that you would be interested in please join our online community there the last symptom dot locals dot com so that you can enjoy those monday live streams and also so that you can interact with the rest of the community and you can take advantage of the conversations that we have there. Let's see, are there any other announcements? Of course, the last symptom fundamentals course is that two-week intensive pre-recorded course that you can access from thelastsymptom.com. That really is a an information-rich, comprehensive course that can provide you with the insights necessary to really get you started and established in the right direction for complete and authentic recovery from any emotional disorder that you're dealing with or that uh, somebody else that you know is dealing with and you want to know how to handle that situation, how to understand it and how to deal with it. That's the course for you, the Last Symptom uh, Fundamentals course. I'm not going to hop back on here at the end of the program. I'm just going to uh, let the program play out, the interview play out. So right now to begin, and I'll wish you folks a wonderful weekend. Do something nice for yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Uh, be compassionate and kind with yourselves while at the same time holding yourself to uh, you know firm expectations. And I will see you over at uh, on our online community, thelastsymptom.locals.com. All right? Enjoy the show. What I what I knew uh, about Jared before all this was that 
apparently he had uh, everybody said he had found religion and what what happened between that and and this well that would have been uh some years before but yeah he was he he was uh so we were doing take, real good for a while he was doing real good for a while so so at one point when i was up in the dayton area the um started taking suboxone which is now are you familiar with suboxone you know what so now it's a basically um as you were saying earlier there's these different medicines that you can take that basically replace the heroin it's a it's for um withdrawing and coming off of opiates it's basically if i'm not mistaken it it blocks some of the receptors that um the opiate receptors in your body so you take one of these suboxone you can't get high off of heroin because it blocks the receptors so the the opiates can't cling to the receptors in your body or your brain or whatever that give you the pleasure and the high and all that stuff so we were taking some boxing up there just you know just to be taking it because it was giving us energy and stuff and so you know and that went on for years you know i, I did i take those took those for about eight years prescribed or no 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 not prescribed but they're so strong that one pill uh you know i was just breaking it and crushing it up and sniffing it and uh you know my wife had no idea and i did it for eight years and and quit doing them and then you know my wife had no idea that i was even taking them but one pill would last me about two weeks really yeah so i just break a tiny piece off and snort it and i think a lot of it like you were saying earlier is a uh Admit the admit the mental part and the emotional part of it is, it, but just so I remember not having. I mean, you talk about withdrawals, and I mean, just sick as could be. But as soon as you got, I wouldn't even have to do it. But if I got one in my hand, I would I would feel better instantly because I knew that it was you know. And so, uh, but so Jared, so he went to, uh, um, he was back in town, and so he started going to church or whatever, and he said that he he seen the face of God. He said, you know, he seen Jesus and. He just quit. He quit cold turkey right then. Um, <laughs> uh, I seen this video yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, this guy said, "I'm." Sm <laughs> he said he was talking to his dad. His dad said, "He said, Dad, you quit smoking." And he goes, "Yeah, I quit smoking, uh, and I quit cold turkey too." And he said, "Wow." <laughs> he said, "I didn't know that you was so obsessed with deli meat." <laughs> And so, uh, it just cracked me up. So now when I say a quick cold turkey is, <laughs> he said, which one was harder, the cigarettes or the deli meat? <laughs> uh, but the dad never picked up. It was just hilarious. So now, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's where my brain was at. But anyway, so he quit doing all the, he quit everything and was really going to church and you know, uh, real active in it. And, uh, and he was great he was doing he was happy and uh everything was good and i don't uh, honestly i don't know what what happened i never did ask him uh what what happened why he quit could have been a period of stress in his life or yeah disillusionment or, or yeah i mean it, disappointment it could have been anything yeah or it could have been none of that and it just uh you know because a lot of people are saying you know because i'm still going to drug and alcohol counseling every week two weeks and mm -hmm. uh you know i started thinking like what you know they're, they're saying that there's all these triggers and everything and why why did you go was it your childhood or was it did something happen to this and that and i don't you know i don't know i you know part of me thinks that it was just you know it feels good 
Well, you know, I don't want to be the guy who gives you all this advice and analysis and everything I got. I just don't think I'm the right person for that. But um, I'll tell you that uh, in in my personal experience and what I talk to people a lot about is that um, it doesn't work to mask underlying causes. In my case, with all my emotional disorders of the past, um, there were things below the surface that I had to address. And I like to think of it as like a dam that's holding back a whole bunch of water. And uh, that dam starts to give away. You can plug it with your finger, but that pressure hasn't gone nowhere. You know, it's, it's still there and it'll search out other weak parts of that dam to, to come out. So, yeah, again, I, I don't want to be like your counselor or anything. You know, I'd rather just be your cousin and right. talk about stuff. But for people watching, I would say that's what I'm thinking happened with uh, Jared when he got all religious and everything. It's nice that he was feeling good and doing good in those, during that time, but clearly the underlying things that had always been bothering him, he, he never identified and addressed. So they're just waiting for a time to come out. Right. Know, like a moment of stress or something like that. Um, you, you working with all these counselors and everything, uh, how's that going? To, do you, uh, how do you feel about them when they start talking about, like what you were just talking about, um, where's this really coming from? <laughs> Oh, I, do, I, do, I don't you, mind it. Do you spend time actually thinking about it and giving it some credence? Or no. do you just kind of like brush it off as just kind of like uh, psychobabble talk? Um, well, no, I, I try to participate and, uh, you know, but but I've, I've really never, you know, I've never really taken the time to try to think of where, where it might be coming from or whatever. I just, you know, and I mean, part of me wants to say that you know, to to go back and try to pinpoint it on one certain thing would be, you know, I think, you know, sometimes we make things more complicated than they are, and I think that, uh, you know, I just, you know, I was a wild little son of a bitch, and I thought, I think that I liked the, uh, I liked the uh, being funny, and, uh, you know, so I was hanging out with the older crowd because I was making them laugh, and... So the, my question then, so when I talk about getting down to underlying things, it would be asking yourself why. Like, why does it make you feel good to make other people laugh? Where does that come from? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Um, well, you know, I'm not going to analyze. I don't want to analyze. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's I'm, a, I just want to give you some things to think about. You know, for example, uh, hearing you talk. It's like an echo of exactly the way I used to think that, um, uh, well, probably, probably worse than that. I, I used to think that any, like, psychology was just a big bunch of nothing. I thought uh, people asked me about my feelings and stuff like that. I remember getting angry at them. Like, listen, I got real problems. <laughs> I got real problems, and you want to talk about my feelings? <laughs> Who cares what I feel about a thing? Look, this is in the real world. This is happening right now, and it's, it needs yeah. to be fixed. Yeah, you know? my electric's off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Don't have any money. My girlfriend left me. She's pregnant with the neighbor's husband, and, you know, whatever. But 
who cares how I feel about all that stuff? You know, this is the these are real things in the real world, and you want to talk, you want to know how I feel about it. How's that going to resolve anything? Man, I was really off. I was really wrong. So you're, you know, when you're talking about these things, I'm my, a question in my head is like, what what do you think about feelings? Like how the 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 control that they have over us. Do, do, have you ever stopped to consider that your feelings? control basically everything about you no you we like to think that it's like it we we reason a thing out and then that's what the reason we make our decision but if you think about it logic and intellect is like this and emotion is like this i mean emotion controls everything if you think about the way you you know you buy a shirt at the store Part of it is intellect. I mean, you need a shirt. You need to, to have some clothing. But think about all the emotion that goes into you buying that shirt. You don't just buy any shirt. <laughs> right. Right? Check you, every rack. You buy the color that you like, the style that you like, and why do you like those things? Because of how it makes you feel. <laughs> makes you feel handsome. Makes you feel, yeah. Yeah, so back to the whole thing with, like, Jared and you and you guys getting in these drugs and everything, you know, it, I think it would be a mistake to think, well, we were kids and we just got to do whatever we wanted to do and it was awesome. Um, that might have been the perspective at the time, but if you examine it, I think a little bit deeper, I think you'd get to some pain about your sense of worth. You know, uh, so like when I think about a child whose parents don't care where they're at. What's the messaging there about your worth? Wouldn't the message be that you don't really have any worth? If, if you mattered more, then we would care where you're at, what you're doing. You know, when your mom did not discipline you for your, when you were robbing the store of the cigarettes, you know, my question about that was kind of, I wanted to know, did she show concern for you by being uh, by being willing to discipline you in order to help steer you in a better direction and it sounds like she was really just worried about herself maybe because you said she was talking about how ashamed she was how embarrassed she was and everything like that you know what's the message there the message is you know I I don't really matter so I can do whatever I want to do that's kind of painful I mean, if you if you really get down to analyzing that sort of thing, I, I'm just telling you, you know, I'm using you as the example here, but I had to do those same things with my parents, and my parents didn't let me run all over the place or anything like that. But the message about my feelings, about my worth, were all the same, and the effect on me was really crazy. I mean, I went. You don't know my whole story, but uh, you know, I, I had a an idyllic life out there. In, uh, Philadelphia and uh, just beautiful house, beautiful wife, beautiful job, beautiful everything and uh, and all these things started coming to a head, all these things that were deep like deep inside of me about about my worth and um, which had all come from messaging from my parents and their attitudes about us and the way they treated us and talked to us and all, all this stuff. It had real world consequences. I mean it when I started acting out in all these weird, crazy behaviors, 
and ruined my life. I mean, I lost everything. It wasn't because of intellect. It was because of some painful things I was dealing with inside, you know. It was a big deal. I mean, so that's, I mean, that's what, if I could get you to think about anything, it would be that. Like, are you underestimating the power that, that feelings have in your life? Oh, I'm sure I am. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm about guarantee it. Yeah, because I, I'm just, uh, you know, I just kind of try to find a, a quick answer and then, um, you a know, band-aid then, uh, yeah, a band-aid and then, yeah, and then just move on and, you know, think that, well, now that we've got that out of the way, then we can go into this next thing. But so you're having a lot of success right now with like staying sober and stuff like that. I mean, I've been really proud of you, especially well, since your you. brother's death. Uh, you've really been trying hard, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I really, I'm just not, I'm just not doing it. I mean, it's, it's not as hard as I, I think sometimes it's made out to be. I just, uh, but I, I, I really don't go anywhere. I, I, I pretty much just stay at the house and, um, go fishing a lot and I, I just don't I just don't do it or I don't go around anybody that does and I just you know is life less exciting now yeah yeah I mean just uh, in, in a way when you know I had a, I had a lot going on I'm not saying it was good a fun exciting but it was you know running from the cops I was on house arrest still running around town selling drugs and so I was just you know just oh you know oh my god do you ever find yourself i mean i don't i don't miss it by any means but do you ever find yourself like kind of like me starting a diet <laughs> and the first two days are like oh man i just i need to replace what i was doing with something else and i don't know what that thing is yet uh and you find yourself in any situations like that where you're at home kind of like i i'm i need to do something or i need to yeah yeah a lot of times i mean i I've gotten uh, since I got out of rehab. I, you know, I've I've got this thing in the back of my head where I'm just kind of, uh, and I think a lot of people that get out of jail have this thing where they think that <clears throat> they have this fear that they're going to be um, arrested for, you know, me. I, I'm always afraid that I'm going to be arrested for something that I didn't do. End up going back because you know I still got the three years over my head, or not quite three years now, but I still got all this time over my head. That it's just you know constantly in my head that something's going to happen i'm going to be at the wrong place wrong time i'm going to be picked up for you know something i didn't do go to prison and just have to start all over and so i got uh that in my head but i mean i i I mean i really need to start finding some things to do and occupy my time a little more through the winter i mean you know spring to at the end of fall i'm fishing all the time sometimes two or three times a day and uh you know so i'm always fishing i am doing a lot more stand up now so that's something but how's the uh crowd in the stand-up crowd is there drugs or anything like that or is it pretty healthy environment yeah well i mean it's usually you know there's definitely alcohol and stuff and then there's uh you know, weed is just a, a, a normal thing everybody's got, which, uh, you know, I've got no problem with. And uh, But I, I haven't been offered any drugs or anything. But also in my in my act, I talk about, you know, whatever. I always check my phone to see. I have this, this sober app that uh, keeps track of, um, it's called I Am Sober. And so I just click on it. So when I have a show, 
Um, so today has been two years and seven months, 945 days sober. So I always check the days, and then when I go up, I say, yeah, I've been clean for 945 days or whatever it is. And then, um, so I talk about being sober a lot in my, in my act or whatever. I was in Indiana a few weeks back, and uh, there was a chief of police who was trying to get me fucked up, which is weird, you know. I was like, didn't he? He's here. I he said, was trying to push stuff on you? We're trying to get me a drink with him, yeah. Mm. This is on stage, and I said, God damn, how many, I said, didn't you hear just say, you know, whatever, 800 days sober or whatever it was at the time, and, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, but for whatever reason, alcohol is much more accepted, you know, than, you know, other drugs, and it's just... So w w what do you, uh, where do you go at in your head to uh, push back any type of craving like that? Uh, I mean, what, maybe the what, what one you, thing that I've learned in rehab would be, uh, you know, if I, you know, very, uh, maybe once or twice since I've I've been out of rehab that I've uh, got these cravings for for like speed or something like that, and then when that happens, I just uh, I'll, I'll just uh, you just gotta make your change your thought process. You just gotta make yourself think of something else. I'll do I'll do something to to to. to take my attention somewhere else do you think about the consequences i mean do, do those deter you do you think about man i don't want to end up like i was at one particular time in my life or oh think, yeah because it, it would be right i mean it would be i'll be right right back to the races um but i mean i mean the the main thing that uh the the main thing is just uh you know the day jared died i had to go up and tell mom and then i mean that was just the you know it was the absolute worst moment of my life and i just would never ever want to you know make, make her go through any of that shit again and it just uh i mean it was it's just horrible it's just heartbreaking and and horrible and i mean that's that's the main thing is that i would never make her you know go through that shit again and uh so i mean that, that's that's one of the main driving factors is uh you, you think back to that a lot all the time like every day probably probably several times a day you having dreams about your brother yeah yeah what what happens in your dreams if you don't mind telling us uh you know sometimes we'll just be uh hanging out or or uh you know the a few days ago it was, it was i was trying to break out of i don't exactly know what it was it was like a castle or something i but it felt like a jail to me and i had a duffel bag that i had stuffed with i don't know what kind of drugs they were but we were trying to get them out but we had to walk they had to they were funneling us through this uh like a metal detector or whatever and you know right before i got up to the metal detector i woke up so you didn't get caught <laughs> didn't, it didn't get caught but yeah it's well the reason why i ask you that is because when my best friend jordan died uh you remember jordan oh yeah uh best friend for lucky he was like a brother to me and he got killed in a car accident in 2005 um i'm not kidding uh for a decade after that i I had dreams about him. At first, it was every night. For the first couple of years, it was like every night. And uh, and I'll try to tell you the the dream. I, I, it, it always makes me uh, cry. 
when I tell the dream, but I'll, I'll try to get through it. <clears throat> um, and then it would go to like once a week, and then it just kind of finally went away. I, I dream about him maybe once every couple months now. Uh, so that's something you got to look forward to. You, you're going to keep having those dreams for a while, I think. But they'll they'll start to evolve and kind of lessen in intensity. But the dream I always had with him was we would be in a, a theater. We'd be watching a movie in a theater. We loved movies. And uh, <laughs> I'm starting to get emotional just, just thinking about it. All right, let me see if I can get through this. <clears throat> I'd look over at him. And I would realize, oh my gosh, there's Jordan, and I can see, I can see him. I'm, I can see him just like I'm looking at you. It's that real, every detail on his face. And I remember, like, actually looking at the details of his face in my brain, and it was all there. And I would think, but he's dead. Then I would realize somehow, um, he both is dead and isn't dead, like the the accident hasn't happened because he doesn't realize it's happened. A really weird kind of like right. twisty thing. I know what you're saying. Then I would realize, well, if if I warn him about it, I have a chance to save his life. This is all happening in this dark theater while I'm sitting there staring at my friend. And, um, and then I'd have this realization every time that if I tell him about the accident, he will remember it happening and the memory of dying will drive him mad. It'll drive him completely crazy. So it's a big catch-22. I can't tell him, because him being completely without his mind, com completely mad as a hatter, is almost worse than him just dying. Right. You know, it's like, it's not an improvement. So it was this really weird uh, catch-22. There he is. There's an opportunity to do something, but I can't really do anything. And and the uh, solution is almost more horrifying than the thing that actually happened. Right. So I would just have to sit there and talk. You know, we would talk, and and he would be there. It was like he was there, and I'm talking to him knowing that he's dead. And I'm just trying to enjoy the time that we've got while we're there in the theater, but I can't really do anything to, to prevent this tragedy. It was real weird, man. It... And it was the same recurring dream? Recurring dream for, it was like every night for like uh, at least a year. And then it started happening like, oh, once every other day. And then the dreams started kind of um, changing. So now when I have a dream about him, it's not that dream. I, I know in the dream that he's dead uh, almost always. And his dad, too, because his dad has since died, and I loved him as much as I loved Jordan. Um, so a lot of my dreams now are like the three of us. We'll be out doing something. Really? Yeah, yeah. we'll be doing, like, we'll be going to whole find a new restaurant or go to a comic book store or go to a movie or, you know, we're just doing the things that we always used to do. Yeah. And at some point in the dream, I realized that they're, they don't even, they're not even alive anymore. Um, so I, I just need to enjoy this time while, while we've got it. And, and I wake up happy, um, before in the, you know, those first, I'd say uh, almost 10 years, I'd almost always wake up really, really sad. And, um, 
now that those dream the types of dreams that I have don't make me wake up sad I wake up happy like wow I got to spend some time with people that I haven't seen in years right yeah so I'm I'm curious if uh you know the the things you're dealing with with your brother won't play out kind of similar to that uh, maybe I mean it's uh I mean, when he first died, it was I was having dreams all the time, and it was just you know, horror. It was just horrible. Wake up, just it was just heartbreaking. But um, one of the counselors that I was going to said that, uh, you know, she told me that that uh, she said that you know at first these thoughts are going to be heartbreaking and everything like that, and it's going to make you sad. She said, but eventually there'll be there'll come a time where. Um, that you stop being sad and you when you think about it those memories will make you happy and uh, you know they'll be <laughs> basically be good memories and uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of insightful because that nobody told me that that's just the what I told you is just my real experience I, right. I, I didn't read that anywhere or anything. yeah that's just the way it really played out for me and that's uh, so that's what it seems like and I know the dreams that I have aren't aren't as intense or or uh, you know there's you know, there's a couple of them where you wake up and you're like, what the fuck? You know, you're like, I think I was just, you know, I think that was a, I think that he came and visited me as, a, you know, some of them was just. That's uh, vivid. That vivid, yeah. And it was like you're saying, like you're sitting there looking at the side of his face and I can see, you know, just, you mm -hmm. know, just, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a process for sure. And it's just, you know, his, his youngest son's got his permit and uh he works down there at the, the old liquor store and I run yeah that's him. his uh that's his oldest son there mason yeah and then his youngest one is still he's a uh is he a freshman they were very stoic at the funeral they didn't yeah. seem to be feeling anything yeah yeah they you know they they weren't didn't have a lot of interactions those last couple years and so, uh, you know, I think that they, I, I don't know, really. Um, Mason seems to have, I think I think that they were a little angry, you know, by the time that Jared had died. I think they had a lot of uh, things going on that, you know, they were, you know, pissed at him for not being around as much. And Yeah, so now, now think about them. Think about what they're trying to work out inside of them and think about some of the effects that that might have. And again, it goes back to worth. Like, if we had mattered more, would he have done this? Right, like, because the reality is that the drugs were more important to him than his own children. Right. And I'm not trying to be cruel or, or anything like that. I'm just trying to speak a plain truth. I mean, when you analyze the thing, that that is the truth, right? Right. And, you know, a person's children know that. They're not dumb. Right. Um, so then it, it kind of gets passed along. The, the, the internal hurt gets passed along. You, have you ever thought about that? Or, I mean, have you ever seen that? In um, I, mean, I, I mean, I probably have thought about it, but it's... Let, uh, let me give you another example. Think about... Now... Sherry is known as this great helper, right? She wants to help everybody. My question has always been, 
if you look at her story, like if you pull back and you look at their example and the way their lives have played out, just pull back and look at it objectively. Mm-hmm. Hi, honey. The microphone was on the whole time. The whole class could hear you. Really? Yes. The whole class can hear you. <laughs> Teacher could hear you. Students could hear you. I could hear you. Everybody. Oh. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> What's it say? She says, Daddy, the whole class can hear you. Can you put it on mute, please? Oh, my gosh. So what we do, just turn our volume down? Oh, my gosh. No, I, I put it on mute. Can you hear us, honey? Can you hear us? Why didn't you come out and tell us earlier? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Seven-year-old kids. <laughs> yeah, I love cocaine. <laughs> My God. Oh, so anyway. Oh. Oh, that. <laughs> oh. oh, that's embarrassing. I don't know why. We're going to put it on the internet for <laughs> 10 million people. Well, yeah. Just I think because. And that's going to come back to me on parent-teacher conference. All right. So talk, <laughs> talking about shit. now, if you're just going to look at her whole life story, you're going to pull back, uh, distance yourself from it as far as us being related to her and her being our aunt and we loving her and everything like that. You know, the, the, there's an there's an example where your emotions are are blinding you and and redefining things. You know, even though you're trying to be intellectually honest about the thing. You know, there's people that you love. You don't want to see them in a negative light or, you know, and those sorts of things. That's another example where I'm talking about feelings being much more powerful over us than than we would um, naturally understand them to be if we don't spend some time thinking about it. But anyway, looking at her example objectively, let's say that you take her story, just the details of the story, no emotional stuff added to it and you present that to an objective person do you think they would say yes she's exactly the person that needs to be helping all these people uh, yeah probably, I mean because probably, probably not you'd have to look at the you know because in that you'd look at the results of what her help has done <laughs> when you think about somebody who's providing real help you you think of real uh, positive consequences, right? And you know, she, she the truth of her story is that her her own husband died of an overdose. Her son died of an overdose. The other son that she raised is a wacko. He's got AIDS. Well, he's got HIV, right? Right. I don't know if he's got AIDS. Yeah. But he's not committed enough. <laughs> he's got. He's got... <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that out. Because <clears throat> he seems pretty committed to me. <laughs> yeah, I stand corrected. But, I mean, you look at the thing, and it's just chaos, right? It's all pain and chaos. These people are not dying because they're happy. Right. People who are happy or content are not resorting to drugs and, and these sorts of things to... Uh, to drown out any underlying 
pain, emotional pain. And that's clearly what's happening in her family. So the, while I appreciate that Sherry is so willing to put herself out, herself out there and try to help and everything, it seems to me like more what she's doing is enabling people to stay unhealthy rather than actually helping them not be unhealthy. And, um, you know, you're talking about Jared getting pissed off at the in the rehab. The only thing that came to my mind when you said that was they probably told him something that was true, that he that's probably why he didn't like it. Right. You know, if, you, if you're an unhealthy person or you're an addict or something like that, what would you prefer? Somebody who's sweet and makes you feel good or somebody who uh, <laughs> challenges you and and calls you out on your uh, yeah well, horse, I mean, horse you know? yeah i mean and ultimately you would want the person that actually calls it like they say and don't tell you what you want to hear and all that it doesn't feel as good but it's right what i it, mean at the time you just want somebody that's gonna uh, you know uh pacify you and and uh you know to, you know i mean addiction it's a it's just a, a it takes over don't it man it, it absolutely it does I remember at one point thinking that, um, you know, because I knew that I was getting indicted, uh, so I, I knew that I had all these indictments coming, and I knew that if I just quit right then, sign myself into treatment, complete a treatment, that I would probably, you know, they'd probably uh, give me probation and just it kind of slap me on the wrist. But the uh, just thinking of the thought of going. And really, it wasn't even because I wasn't doing the heroin. I was just doing the meth. You know, I was doing outrageous amounts of it every day. But the um, it wasn't the withdrawals that I was afraid of. The the part that was horrifying to me was the to have to be with my own thoughts and to uh, you know. But why? Oh, because I because I just knew that there was all this shit that I hadn't, you know, that I've just so, just but, suppressed. And so, was it really your thoughts you were afraid of being with? It wasn't the thoughts. It was how the thoughts make you feel. Well, yeah, that that that's. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Do you see how it's really the feelings, right, that are the powerful thing? We misidentify and say it's our thoughts. Yeah, I don't want to be alone with those thoughts. But if the thoughts didn't make us feel like you know really. Pain, it didn't really hurt then we wouldn't mind the thoughts right so it's the feelings 100 percent. yeah that's a, absolutely that's yeah that was it but that, that you know was, that, that was, that, that's a funny story that you just i mean it's an interesting story because um i told people about how when i first started do, doing this stuff on myself uh i took a backpacking trip by myself just me and my dog got out so far out into the mountains um, that night and this was like right at the end of a divorce I just lost everything I mean my life was in shambles worried terribly worried about the future and all sorts of things but I we got out there in the middle of the woods and the whole day I was doing fine backpacking we went like 10 12 miles something like that and uh, no problem because the whole day you're busy you know you're you're moving along your mind is preoccupied and everything but that night once I got the campfire going, got sat down there by the campfire, had no phone signal, so no texting or social media or anything like that. Nobody with me, nobody to talk to, oh. just sitting there by the fire. I'm telling you what, um, 
the thoughts, it was the noise in my head got so loud I thought I was going to go crazy. I'm, I'm not kidding. The, 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 the noise of the silence, how that silence can be so loud? Because you don't really realize how many times during the day when you, when you feel something uncomfortable, like you have a thought that makes you feel uncomfortable, how quickly you distract yourself from it. Mm-hmm. And it's just normal life every day I once talked to a guy who said that when he'd drive down the road he'd have so many uncomfortable thoughts that he would do games just driving like he'd either turn on the radio or he would start counting road signs anything to distract him from those uncomfortable feelings and you know and it goes back to the thing it's not the thoughts I mean they're there they have a part to play that's not the problem. The problem is how they make us feel. So it's really our, our feelings which have all the power, not the thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never thought of it like that, but it. Yeah, I would. I would agree with you 100. percent Because, like you said, yeah, it wasn't the thoughts that I had to deal with. It's how the thoughts made me feel. But it was. Yeah, it was. It was horrifying, and I didn't want nothing to do with it. And then you know, even knowing that it was going to help me out in the long run, but you know thing with addiction is it's always tomorrow you know today's not good tomorrow right, is right. yeah and then the, the perfect time never comes right yeah and then you say i mean i think i told you the one time when i got out of jail i went uh i think i was in jail for about three months this time and uh and i got out got out of jail and walked from the jail directly you know just right right up the street here to the my here i was getting dope off of at that time and so within a half an hour of being out of jail, I had a needle in my arm and was high. And I was thinking, I'll just get when I get out, I'll just get high tonight, and then tomorrow, you know, I'll be done with it. And so, but but that never happens. Like they say in uh, in recovery, that um, once is never enough, and a th- or wait, wait, once is never enough, and a thousands to or once is, is it, am I doing it backward? Never eat yellow snow, I think. Yeah. Now they're say, saying so. A lot of people say that when they get out of treatment, they'll say, "Well, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna get high tonight." And uh, so it's, they say one time is too many, and a thousand is a thousand times is never enough. Mm. So it's uh, you know, so you, you just never, you know. Yeah, but it's just it's just a, a giant mind cluster. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't mind you cursing. I've been really working hard not to curse. I, I, the first couple, everybody remember the first couple of years I did this show. Um, I used cursing a lot. I, I tried to use it strategically to like really drive home points and stuff like that. Kind of enhance the point that you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And so I saw it, the, the, they've all heard me curse, but uh, <laughs> in the past two years, maybe a year, two years, um, I just decided to. To try to that was like the next self improvement thing I wanted to work on. I thought that's got to be a pretty easy one, and it, it has been pretty easy. Uh, so anyway, I'm having a lot of success with. It. I, I don't mind oh, hearing people curse. I get to oh man, I cuss like this. So, uh, <laughs> so I know, I just stutter, but I do. Uh, I say GD a lot. I've had a lot on stage. I say it, I say it a lot just in general life. But I'd like to mark that one out. But not even that I'm a real. Uh, well, religious me, person. If I had more, if I had more serious things to to deal with, <laughs> cursing would not be at the top of my priorities. <laughs> right. But uh, life is calm, and I'm feeling good. And it seems like an easy enough 
it seems like a good time to do it. Right. Um, you were telling me about your older brother, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, he is a scoundrel. I mean, he is a, <laughs> he's ornery. Yeah. Very untrustworthy. Um, but he wasn't always like that. I, I kind of feel like he got like that during when, when you guys start getting into drugs and stuff. Yeah. Um, you just, you were telling me earlier when we were kind of on a little break that, uh, he just found out something about his health. Yeah, they think that. So I'm not, I'm not real sure about it, but I know it's uh, it's Huntington's disease is the disease, and it's a like a degenerative brain disease, and uh, there's no cure for it. And the way that I researched it is, it was, uh, it was like uh, they said it was like Alzheimer's, ALS, and uh, another one like all all together. But it's basically just your memory goes and you you, you end up jerky bedroom. motions and stuff like that yeah, it starts off with like jerking and uh forgetfulness and um and then very rapidly it just becomes uh you know you're bedridden and and you're just uh and he's a zombie. you said he's 40 45 yeah um do you make any association with all the drug use that he's done and that um no but i mean it's just really because i'm not educated enough to to make it but i mean i i would imagine if i had to take a guess that it would have something it would have to have something to do with it i mean we you think that i'm i'm 43 and then i've been you know this is the longest stretch of sobriety i've had since i was 10 11 years old so and when you're stay that messed up forever i mean it, it has to do something to your brain it's just like uh you would think wouldn't you it's, it's got to make a couple soft spots somewhere whether they can uh, you know on a brain scan and can make a, a definite connection between the two things it just seems kind of like there's got to be some kind of connection to to those sorts of things i want to show you guys who are watching this video this uh, artwork i did at jay and jared uh when they started stand up years ago uh, they, I was living in Philadelphia at the time, and um, they reached out to me and said, "Hey, could you do some sort of uh, artwork for us?" I said, "Sure." And so uh, I did this a uh, uh, him and his brother. <laughs> um, I'm pretty proud of that. But anyway, this was the original. What they had originally, I, I'd given them a, a copy. Yeah. But uh, I told him that uh, I was real proud of him. This was after his brother died. I told him that I was real proud of him. And, yeah, he was working hard. And I could tell he was trying hard, and uh, I said, you know, you got you keep uh, <clears throat> you keep your nose clean for a little while. I'll give you the original. And so today uh, he's finally I finally given that to him. I would have given it to him anyway, by to be honest about it. <laughs> now that was our first shirt that we ever had made, but had that that print on it. Yeah, so that was a yeah. I'm still pretty proud of that because I'm not the best. Caricaturist or a portrait portrait artist, but uh, and you know when right you're doing the thing is when you're doing uh, identical twins, you, you know I since I grew up with them, I I could tell them apart. I remember a time when I couldn't. When when we first moved out there to the farm, first few days I couldn't tell you guys apart. But after that, it was like. No, this is him, and this is the Jared. Yeah, and the, and then after that, I could never look at you guys and see the same person ever again. <laughs> right. It was just like there's something like when you get to know an identical twin well, 
there, there's just some dead giveaways that you see instantly. But um, so to do a portrait of identical twins and to make you know to make some just the subtlest of distinctions to, to tell them apart uh, was a big deal. I mean, I, I that looks just like you, I think, and that looked just like Jared. Yeah, his facial hair was darker, so I mean, that's. <laughs> it's a good, I mean, it's awesome. I love it. Oh nine, oh nine, two thousand nine. Yeah, and so that was like I said, right? That was right when we first started. So that was probably right when Jared started. So Jared started. Jared started first. No, no, no. Started. So I started in oh eight, April of oh eight, and so he's probably started in like October of oh eight, or some something somewhere around there. And then we got shirts made as soon as you sent this to us, and so that. I mean, that makes sense with the 09, because we got shirts made within a year. I remember Diana, uh, I said, boy, I don't know if I can do this. And uh, she said, why not? I said, well, first of all, I know them too well. It's really <laughs> hard to do a per draw the likeness of a person that you really know well, because emotions. Right. My emotions are affecting how I, how I prefer to see you guys, or how I choose to see you guys. And when you're doing a portrait, you got to kind of like push that aside and see what you're looking at rather than what you feel about what you're looking at. Right. So it was, um, I remember doing it and showing it to her, what do you think <laughs> about this? And I'd do a little bit more work on it. And what do you think about this? And she, she helped a lot with that. I love it. Um, That's awesome. Thank you. To kind of wind things down here, we got a lot of material. I, I am going to split this up into a double episode, but you know, you, you have been doing real good. Uh, to end on a positive note, what are the things that make you happy nowadays? The things that make me happy nowadays? Um, <laughs> man, it's been <laughs> not a lot. Uh, like the, the what? What would be? Let me let me take just a second and think about this. Boy, of all the things I thought would put you on the spot, what makes you happy wasn't one of them. Yeah, well, I mean, it's. Uh, you know, some days are better than others. Um, so things are rough? Uh, well, I mean, it's, you know, I've got, you know, I feel like I haven't, you know, I've, for a while I was, you know, feel like he's climbing a ladder doing good, and then I've kind of, feel like I've kind of plateaued, and I'm not, you know, not really, uh, still, I'm, I'm not still uh, knocking things off my list, like, to do better. I mean, I, I am, I guess. I, I don't know I'm my biggest critic but so I'm trying to uh, I guess uh, what makes me happy is uh, you know I talk to my my kids a lot now and I've you know my oldest son Logan's got my first granddaughter um, and so you know I'm, I'm real proud of them and so so that obviously I mean seeing that my kids are successful and doing good is uh and then hopefully never gonna have to deal with any of the shit that i've brought on myself uh that's probably where i get my most happiness from when you go fishing you go fishing alone or you go with somebody both what do you like about fishing um <clears throat> what are you fishing for uh, usually yeah usually bass uh uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, love outdoors. You know how we were raised. You know, just a endless. Because it was not only that we had the what hundred acres or whatever it was back then, thousands of acres. Because then we had castle, and then we had you know. So we 
I once thousands looked, of acres. I once looked at that on uh, uh, Google Earth. Mm-hmm. This was uh, 10, 15 years ago when I looked when the satellite stuff first started coming out. I looked at it and it was like my parents' house and just woods. And they're like a dot here. There's a trailer. Dot over here. There's a trailer. But I mean, it was just and it, and it kind of spread up like around here. I mean, we could just go forever and ever and ever. Yeah, and we knew them woods like the. You know, we we just know where the great dirt hill was, and the <laughs> yeah, there's still parts of it though that uh, I have not explored even right. today. Yeah, I've tried to, uh, but it's kind of like you know, um, it's a it's a big commitment to get to some of those places, and um, which I'm not against. It's just like, what do I want to? Which part do I want to explore this time, and what do I want to save for next time? I, I went out there few years ago tried to get out further than I'd ever been and there's some weird interesting stuff out back there like weird uh, creek formations and yeah. rocks and stuff like that places where the the ground is just worn away by by these creeks or these little brooks and uh, it's just solid slate really ground yeah it's like I think you get down enough below some of that uh, dirt and it's just solid slate. It was really interesting. I mean, you could just walk through there, like the like the woods, like the whole earth had split apart, and there was just this shale walkway. Is that right? Yeah, with just like a trickle of water coming through. Man, I told you that I would love to go out there and uh, make like a this little a little cabin or something out of just like trees and you know just, just something small just to see if it could. I mean, I know we could do it. I mean, we damn near did it when we were when we were younger. But I'd like to make a like an actual log cabin out of logs you know you know if you can make it walls this high and then pitch a roof or well, something I, I gotta show you something uh, there's something i would like to build out there on my little dinky three acres but uh it's a it's like a lean-to but it would be built across two trees and with a like a sheet metal roof mm-hmm. but it'd just be a lean-to but it'd be like a permanent shelter out there I could right build. I'll show you a picture of what I got in mind later on. Yeah. And I've got, uh, you know, I'd like to go out there. <clears throat> I've got Jared's ashes. I'd like to I'd like to spread out there somewhere. But, you know, I don't know when or what or in a stream or, or something. Warm me so I don't go out there and start drinking out of it while you're, while you're <laughs> oh, no, up. <laughs> <laughs> you upstream from him, you know. Yeah. This tastes spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah I was just telling people on that other thing I do uh, practical woodsman I mean we, we 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 didn't carry gear but we get so far back like our parents could be screaming for us to come home at the top of their lungs we could not hear them right and I said we'd get it back here and we didn't carry things so it was just like you know we regularly drank out of the the creeks and the streams that we found out there like what we found that's what we used yeah we weren't going to go all the way back home just to get a drink <laughs> right so we'd end up drinking our way yeah. back out in the woods eat sours and sassy fries and yeah whatever uh sweet anise i remember uh, sweet, anise. sweet anise water yeah <laughs> well buddy i'm going to wrap this show up okay. and i'm glad that you uh shared so much with us i'm going to be interested to see uh how people react to it and what they have to say and everything like that. Uh, um, were you nervous? No, not really. I mean, first it takes a minute to get 
you know, just into the regular regular mode because uh, for whatever reason, the camera is always, you know, when it makes it you block it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you one last question. Yeah. Why were you so willing to talk about some really uh, private and sensitive things? Um, I, I don't know. I just... You know, it's not. I'm you don't not, see any reason why not to. No, I'm not. A, I'm not ashamed of any, any of the thing, horrible things I'm doing. I mean, we've just barely touched on on a lot of the stuff, but uh, you know, I, I do regret some of it, but I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, it's shit that I've done, and it's you know, well, you know, it it, it don't define me. It's just a, a a page of or two out of the story, but um, you know, and it's uh, you know, I guess nice if uh, you know if you. If you feel like you can relate to somebody, or, or you know, or you, you learn something, or whatever, whatever. But uh, well, I think uh, I think that's why a lot of people have t- taken to uh, watching or listening to this show is because I just talk openly about my own stuff. Right. I know you don't know much about the show, but you you know when you get home, you'll be able to start watching them and listening to them. You'll you'll hear me talk about a bunch of stuff, and um, <clears throat> and I think that's what people were attracted to they could see that i was just i wasn't trying to hide any of the 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 less attractive stuff i was i was willing to share that too right i think it might it's nice that it that you're not a a licensed psychologist and that you're self self self-taught and you've read all the books and and all that stuff so it's you know i don't feel like a uh well i'm pretty critical of the professional community i'm pretty critical about them i I would like to recognize the good ones, that there are good ones, but the majority of them are not good. The majority of them are idiots and in it for the wrong reason and rely on third-hand, fourth-hand indoctrination about what they're supposed to say, what they're supposed to know, and and it's not a real knowing. You know, It's not a knowing from first-hand experience, but I did deal with some really good ones and got a lot of help from some really good ones, but it just took a lot of work. Yeah. But I appreciate that, old man. Yeah, absolutely. Let's wrap That's up this one. show. Yes. Guys, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Do something nice for yourselves this weekend. Uh, I know Jay's going to uh, give me all the fish that he catches yes. out of the uh, shit creek. So I, I, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> I caught one smallmouth out of there already last week. Did you really? Yeah. I mean, it's only about like that, so yeah. I think I'd eat stuff out of there. Um, oh, yeah, I definitely would. I'm upstream, too. <laughs> well, supposedly what they empty out there is all the clean stuff. Right. Supposedly. All right, thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time. <laughs>